going to start a, a very short series. It's actually three sermons. And we're going to talk for the next three weeks about Elijah. And the sermon today, I have titled, The Best Place to Be is There. The Best Place to Be is There. Would everybody get all settled down and then we'll... You guys look beautiful this morning. Yeah. In 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 1 through 7, we're not going to read all that right now, but we see that Elijah, a relatively unknown prophet at this point, had been brought from obscurity and set front and center on the stage of history. God took this man, who in, in, in most people's eyes was an absolute nobody at this point, and used him to shake the throne and the entire nation of Israel. The foundational problem here as to why God did this was that the people of Israel, God's chosen people, these same people who had been warned over and over, time and time again, not to worship idols, not to worship the false gods of neighboring countries, were now worshiping specifically a heathen idol, heathen god with a little g, named Baal. Baal was the god of fertility. When the sun rose high in the sky, the followers of Baal believed that they were seeing his face. When the, the thunder rolled, his followers believed they were about to receive a blessing from Baal in the form of rain to the earth. The wickedness of Baal ran deep, even to the extent of child sacrifice. And God hated that kind of worship. He hated that specific worship to the core. So in, in 1 Kings 17, verse 2, when God allowed Elijah to stand before a wicked king named Ahab and boldly say, Ahab, this is the way it's going to be. There will be no rain until I give the word. There will be no rain until I say so. When he did that, it was a direct and divine challenge to Ahab's God, Baal. With this challenge of, of not raining, that was issued through Elijah. God was telling not only Ahab, but all of Israel, I am going to show you who really is God. It is Jehovah, and I will prove it by cutting off the rain, and there is nothing that you can do or your false god Baal can do. Kind of proving a point here. As soon as Elijah spoke to the king and issued God's challenge, verse 3 tells us that the Lord spoke to Elijah and told him to go hide himself in the Kareth Ravine. So God had quickly placed Ahab in front of Ahab, placed Elijah in front of Ahab, the wicked king of Israel, and now he had quickly removed him from the scene. According to verse 4, God had plans for Elijah. The plans were when he got there. And for now, Elijah's there was a place called Kareth. It was a simple plan. It was a little unusual, but it was simple. God said, go to the, the ravine at Kareth because I have ordered ravens to feed you where? There. After being there for a while, 
We read at the brook of water in the Kareth Ravine that it dried up. And things probably looked pretty bad at this point because just as God had said, it had not rained. No rain meant that the crops died. No crops meant that there was no food. And as a result, people were literally dying from hunger. And now it looked like Elijah's source of food and water was gone. He did what God told him. Watch what's happening here. He did exactly what God told him. He went exactly where God told him to go. And now the water's dried up and the food's gone. But watch this. Hmm. I'm about to get happy here. The source of Elijah's food and water wasn't gone. The events had changed. The brook had dried up. The ravens were gone. But they were not the source. They were a delivery system. God was the source, and he hadn't gone anywhere. He was still there. And now that the Kareth Ravine situation had changed, God promised Elijah that once again, he had arranged for Elijah's needs to be met. Look what happens next. God tells Elijah in 1 Kings 17, 9, go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. We're going to read that again, and I want you all to say there. Go at once to Zarephath and Sidon of Sidon and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. This time, it wasn't ravens providing for Elijah. This time, it was a, wid a widow woman. More specifically, it was a struggling single mom who got in place to supply the needs. Wherever you're there is, whatever your struggle may be, don't let the devil tell you that God can't use you. He can use anyone who is willing to be obedient. Without a doubt, it is no coincidence that this struggling single mom was also right smack in the middle of her there. There was a famine. There was no food. Now, for, for Elijah, there was wherever God told him to go. So when Elijah ran from Ahab and went to Kareth, he was there. And now when he arrived in Zarephath, this single mom's house, once again, he was there. There's an old saying, no matter where you go, there you are. And as silly as that might sound, it really is true as long as where you go is where God says there is. Go home and think about that. You, you go, oh, I get what he said about that. I want to make sure that we grasp this concept today. Because the fact is, whenever Elijah was in the will of God, when he got there, he was assured of God's blessings and his provision. Wherever there might have been, as long as he was there, where God said there was, God provided for him. So today I want to ask you this question. Are you there? You might say, well, where's there? I would answer that by saying, so far for Elijah, there was standing before an evil king and delivering some really bad news. After that, there was living in a ravine beside a brook being fed by ravens. And at this point, there was at a widow's house. Now, let me clarify something before we move forward. When I say being there, I'm not talking about bouncing around from church to church every two weeks. 
No, I'm talking about digging in and doing what God says to do, when he says to do it, where he says to do it. You might start off at, at some, some type of a, a, I hate to use job, some type of a ministry here at, at High Point Church that is kind of an entry level. Maybe you, you are parking cars or guiding people in the parking lot. And you say, well, that doesn't feel very spiritual. I will tell you that working in the parking lot is one of the most spiritual jobs in the entire church because you are the first impression of somebody that pulls into High Point Church. And if they can't find a parking spot, they're probably just going to leave and they'll never come inside to hear me or hear the worship team. So that's a very important job. But if that's where you start... Do it with everything you have. Because for that time, that is your there. But at some point, it could very well be something different right here at High Point Church. Something that might be difficult to step out and do. But nonetheless, when you find it, God will be with you through every step of the way. A few weeks ago... Well, actually, it's been months ago now. Andrew started working as a greeter on Sunday mornings. Then he came to me and said, is there something else I can do? I said, well, I really need, we need somebody to put out the signs and the arrows and all that out in the parking lot. Every Sunday morning, boom, like clockwork, Andrew walks in. He takes the signs out there. Nobody says a word to him. When service is over, he goes and gets them, brings them back, puts them back where they go. That's amazing. And then, last week, he stood here and opened the service, and it was absolutely amazing. I had to turn around because I was crying. It was, I watched it again on, on video. And it was just as amazing the second time. But what I say that, I say that because of this. You're there might be in the parking lot. It might be at the front door. And at some point, you're there might be right here opening a service. And I told Andrew, I said, you're there. I didn't use the term you're there, but I said, at some point, who knows? You might be the next pastor of High Point Church. <laughs> Wherever you're there is. Stand in your there. Your there of today might look a whole lot different than your year, there five years from now. Consider this. For Noah, there was an ark. For Daniel, there was a prayer room that led to a lion's den. For Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, there was a fiery furnace. For Ruth, there was a field owned by Boaz. For David, there was a cave as he hid from Saul. And later, there was as king of Israel on the throne. For Paul, there was quite often a prison cell. And for Jesus... There was a cross. In other words, there is that place in your life that finds you where God has placed you. 
Again, let me clarify. I'm not talking about running around all over the country trying to find yourself or some self-serving attitude of going where I want, when I want, doing what I want, looking for what feels good. I'm talking about going where God says go, when he says go, for his glory and for his purposes. We often talk about the will of God. Let me tell you today that there is God's perfect will for your life. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, when you get there, you will know it. I'll also say, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, when you aren't there, you'll know that too. Kind of the way the Holy Spirit works. When you get there, there are some things you will find out about that place. I want to point out some truths found in this 17th chapter of 1 Kings about that place called there. If you realize today that you aren't there, I want to encourage you to get there, find there, and stay there. Because it is there that God can use you to accomplish what he wants to do in your life. It's not always about what makes us happy. But I can assure you we will find more peace when we know for sure that we are there in the will of God. So I want to look today at what the Bible teaches us about being there. First of all, I want to say there is a place of promise. God promised Elijah that ravens would feed him when he got there at Kareth. God told him that a widow woman there in Zarephath had been commanded to sustain him to provide him the food that he needed. And each time when Elijah went there, as the Lord commanded, he found out that the Lord was as good as his word. When we get there, we too will discover that God always does what he promises he will do. He is a God who never fails. He is a God who always keeps his promises. In writing about Abraham, the Apostle Paul wrote in in Romans 4.21 that Abraham was fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised. Abraham was known as a great man of faith. In order to be a person of faith, we too have to believe that God can and will do, that he has the power to do what he says he can and will do. That's how faith comes about. It's like we're talking about the testimonies. We start believing that God will do exactly what he said he will do because he's always done what he said he would do. And as we see him do that in our life, as we see him do it in other people's life, and we hear the testimonies of others, our faith builds. And we get stronger in our faith. If Abraham didn't believe that God was going to give him the land of Canaan, why would he have ever left Haran where he was living? If Elijah did not believe that God would provide for him at Kareth and then again at Zarephath, why would he have gone? So let me say this again. In order to be a person of faith, we too have to believe that God can and will do what he says he can and will do. That means when God calls us to step out into something new, something that places us outside of our comfort zone, what do we do? We just step out. Knowing that when we get there, he is already there and has already provided what the means to sustain us. It's kind of like Peter on the boat in the storm. The disciples look out and they see somebody coming. 
Like, who else would they think it was? But they finally discover it was Jesus. Hey, it's Jesus. And they all stand there in awe, except Peter, our friend Peter. He goes, oh, I want to climb out and walk out to Jesus. And he climbed out of the boat, and he said, Lord, can I come out there? He goes, yeah, come on out. And he has enough faith to believe that if I step out of this boat and go to the source, that I will be able to walk on water. And you know what he did? As long as he kept his eyes on Jesus. But then all of a sudden, he started looking around and goes, whoa, the boat's back there. And the waves are kind of big here. I don't know how it looks to walk on waves, maybe kind of like this. And he's walking on waves, and he starts looking at where he's come from. He starts looking around him at the storm, and he takes his eyes off of Jesus, and what happens? He begins to sink, but that's not the end of the story. Jesus comes up, grabs him by the hand, walks him back to the boat, and helps him in the boat. Sometimes we get our eyes off Jesus, and sometimes we start to sink, But that doesn't mean it's all over. We don't just stay there and drown. We still look back to the one that we have our faith in and allow him to reach down and pick us up and take us to the place of safety. Hmm. I'm about to get happy here. Hebrews 6.18 tells us that it is impossible for God to lie. So if he says that, if it is impossible for God to lie, we can count on it to be just like he said it would be. In fact, I'll go a step further. God will keep his promises whether you and I ever get there or not. If Elijah would have said, I don't know about that Kareth Ravine Raven thing. Uh, I don't think so. I have to believe that the, the ravens would have still shown up with food. If he would have said, no, I'm not going to Zarephath, I don't even like that town. I believe that God would have still provided for that widow woman somehow. God will still keep his promises. Our actions, our obedience or disobedience will not change God's ability to do what he says he will do. God does not say, well... I guess I can't make that happen because so-and-so didn't do their part. No. God is sovereign. He will lead us, and if we will trust him and follow as he leads, he will take us to the place and provide us exactly the way he said he would. But sometimes it takes us stepping out on faith. We don't have to go. But those who have arrived at their there are in a position to see him do what Ephesians 3.20 says, exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or think. But that only happens for the folks who stepped out into there. Those who are there will see a whole lot more than those who aren't. Those who are there are often put in difficult places, and many times it is in a place of total dependence on God that a lot of other folks will never experience. But as a result of that trust and as a result of that dependence on God, these folks will see stuff happen that others will never see. 
Because Elijah was obedient and because he went to that Kareth ravine and he was obedient and he said, God, I'll trust you in this. He was fed by ravens. He had water when people were starving to death. How many other people do you think ever saw anything like that? I haven't. And probably at that time, there was not another person that was experiencing what Elijah was. But he experienced because God said, go there, and he went there. When Elijah got to his first there, the ravens flew in right on time every morning and evening with meals. They didn't just randomly drop it at random times. Ah, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. Here comes food. The original meals on wheels. Meals on wings. There you go. Every morning and evening, when he arrived at the widow's house, he saw the Lord suspend the varying laws of nature to provide for his needs and for the needs of the widow's family. In the middle of a drought, in the middle of a famine, where people were literally starving to death because of a lack of food, 1 Kings 17, 6 says that the flour and the oil in the widow's house did not run dry for the entire time of the famine. It just appeared. They'd go take a scoop out of the flour barrel, and it would fill back up. They'd pour out some oil out of the jug, set it down, it would fill back up. For the entire time of the famine... If Elijah had refused to go there and do what God had told him to do, he would have never seen the miracle that came because of a shortage. And had that single mom not been in her there, and had she not been obedient to God, she and her son would have died in the famine like a lot of other people. God's miracles are made most profound when the need is the greatest. I'll say that again. God's miracles are most profound when the need is the greatest. If you have a need today in your personal life, in your finances, in a relationship, in your family situation, in your body, in your mind, know these two things. The greater the need, the greater the miracle. And there is no need that is greater than our God. You can count on that. When you get there in your own life, you will find that, that the God who promises is also the God who can bring it about. He doesn't just make wild promises. If he says it, it's going to happen. Matthew 6, 25 through 33 assures us that if God can take care of the birds of the fields, if he can take care of the flowers in the field, that we can be assured that he knows how to meet the needs of his children. Look at verses 31 through 33 there. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Watch this. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. If we put him first, if we follow as he leads us, if we go to the there where he calls us to go, we can be assured that all these things will be added to us as well. 
Philippians 4.19 says, My God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Watch this. When Elijah arrived at his there, he was reminded that God is a God who is at work on both ends of time. 1 Kings 17, verses 4 and 9. Before he commanded Elijah to go to Kareth or Zarephath, God had already commanded the ravens and the widow as to what part they would play in Elijah's story. They didn't just show up when Elijah got there. God already had all that in play. In other words, before there was even a need in Elijah's life, God had already taken care of supplying that need. If you have a need in your life, trust him. Whatever it might be, trust him. The Bible is clear. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. And I'm not talking about some kind of word of faith or name it and claim it kind of thing. I'm talking about when we pray and it lines up with the word of God, it lines up with the will of God, we can be assured that God will provide for our needs. It's in the word of God. Those who go with God and find they're there soon come to understand that they are serving a God who is not bound by the limits of time and space. He transcends both. Dr. Alan Carr said it like this. Your tomorrow is his right now. And whatever takes place in your life is the result of his advanced planning. How cool is that? Your tomorrow is God's right now. There are no accidents. There are no coincidences. There is just the providence of God working out his plan and his will in the lives of his children. If we ever got a hold of that, it would change us forever. End of quote. So why would it change us forever? It's because we would be reminded that our needs, whatever they might be, are merely evidence of God's supply in waiting. Let me say that again. Some of y'all didn't get that. It would remind us that our needs, whatever they might be, are merely evidence of God's supply in waiting. When a need arises in your life or mine, if we are there, it means that whatever the cost may be, God has already written the check. It's like if you go to a restaurant, you've had this happen before, and, and you, you go to get your bill, and they say, man, that person that just left a minute ago, they already paid it. Really? They get the tip too? Yeah. Wow. When you have a need in your life, it's just like that. By the time you get to your need and you ask for the check, it's already paid. If you're there, whatever it might be, wherever you might be, whatever is going on, be sure that whatever situation we are in is under his perfect control. God is never surprised. He is never caught off guard. You'll never see God scratching his head saying, Whew, I didn't see that coming. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fiery furnace, 
when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, when Lazarus died and was buried, when Jesus died on the cross, God didn't say, well, if I knew that was a possibility, but I really didn't think it would happen. Now i got to figure out what's, what to do next. God never has to switch to plan B. And when you're going through the most difficult time in your life, know that God is not stumped on how he's going to take care of you. That's why we're going to have this testimony service because there's some of the coolest testimonies you've ever heard. I've heard some of them. How God provided. Because Elijah was in the there where God led him, he got to see ravens bring him meat and bread. When that chapter of his there ended, he got to see the meal barrel and the jug of oil supply food for a widow, her son, and for himself for many, many months. He got to see the power of God manifested before his very eyes all because he was there. He also got to see this widow's son raised from the dead at some point. And when you get there and stay there, you will be in a position to see his power manifested in your life. I think too many times we sit back, as a friend of mine used to say, sitting in the mully grubs. Well, I guess God doesn't love me anymore. And I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done all these things. Well, how do you know this thing? Because I've said it. And I've done all these things, and now look at where I am. That's the problem. Sometimes we need to look at where we am. Sorry, Ann. <laughs> look at where I am. We need to look at where we are because maybe we're not there. Because I promise you, if we are there in the there that God has called us to, he will supply our needs. Sometimes we just need to back away and say, okay, God, where are the ravens? Many people live out their entire Christian life and they never experience God's manifested power simply because they never got there. Being there will sometimes place you in a situation that is out of your control. Somebody say amen. amen. There you go. But I will remind you that when your life is out of your control, it is well within his control. Those who are there will experience the power of God. I say these things today to encourage you. That whatever you're going through, whatever might be happening in your life, whatever might be happening around you, you don't have to be afraid. We've spent eight weeks talking about the full armor of God. If you have on that armor of God and you are where God has told you to be, you can stand secure. The old song says, victory, victory shall be mine. Victory, victory shall be mine. If I hold my peace, 
Let the Lord fight my battle. Victory, victory shall be mine. I think so many times we, we see a battle coming and we know we can't win the battle. And instead of holding our peace and let God fight the battle, we just pull out that little short sword and we just start swinging crazy like. When sometimes we just need to stand knowing that the armor we have on will protect us. Once again, let me remind you that regardless of what you face in life, God has the power to take care of that situation. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So when you go to him, you don't have to wonder if he can handle it. Because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. So when we go to him and say, Jesus, I, I don't know what to do here. He says, I got this. Because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He has the authority in heaven on earth. And I have to believe that that is enough to take care of me in the worst of situations where I might find myself, as long as I am in the there where he has called me to be. Hmm. Even in the worst situation of his life, Job spoke these words to God in Job 42.2. I know that you can do anything, and no one can stop you. This is Job, who had just lost everything in his life. He still said, God, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. Getting there might frighten you because you might think you can't handle life from being there. The fact is, you're right. You will never be able to handle it on your own, but he can. Because of what took, let's get back to Elijah. Because of what took place when Elijah spoke the word of the Lord to King Ahab, Elijah was a wanted man. But in 1 Kings 18, 10 and 11, we read that Ahab was searching for everywhere for Elijah, because, but because Elijah was there, he was in a place of safety and divine protection. Ahab couldn't find him. And I will tell you, the safest place that you can be is there. Dead center of the Lord's will is where you need to find yourself. Because nothing can touch you while you are there. You are safe in his will. And be assured that God knows how to protect his children regardless of what they might face in life. David wrote in Psalm 23, 4, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Some people refuse to trust the Lord. People feel like they're out to hurt them. He's out to hurt them. Or that somehow he won't or can't look out for them. But the truth is, he can take care of you better than you can take care of yourself. You can trust him. Your best interests are his priority. And he knows what is best for us far better than we know what's best for us. By being there, Elijah learned more about God and his power than he could have learned anywhere else. Being there was very hard at times. Any step of faith is. But it was the best place he could have been because it afforded him the opportunity to watch God work and see how God did things firsthand. 
God's path for your life might lead you through some treacherous, treacherous waters. But until you go with God and watch him do the impossible for your, you in your life, how will you ever know what he can do? I love the words from an old Andre Crouch song, Through It All. There's a line in the song that says, If I never had a problem, I'd never know that God could solve them. I'd never know what faith in his word could do. None of the great people we read about in the Bible would have ever known what God could have done unless at some point they faced a trial. And when they faced that trial, they stood there. So let me ask, are you there? Have you reached the place in your life where you can honestly say, I am in the will of God. I am where God wants me to be. If you are, let me encourage you to stay there. Notice that when Elijah arrived at Kareth, he stayed there. As it's used here, stayed there means to, to live or to set up housekeeping. When he got there, he planned on staying there for a while. And he stayed there until God said, now it's time to move someplace else. Elijah went there to stay there until God said, now go there. So if you're there, just stay there. If you've never arrived at your there, and you know that somehow you are missing out on God's best for you because you aren't there, let me invite you to spend some time in prayer. Spend some time alone with him and ask him to show you where your there is. And then when he shows you where your there is, get there and stay there. I'm going to close with this this morning. For the past year and a half, a lot of folks there has looked a little different or a whole lot different than it ever has. But know this, if where you, if where you are right now is where God has placed you, then do your best to take in the blessing of your there. Being fed by ravens sounds really cool. Right? But it also required that Elijah be in some form of isolation away from everyone. And as cool as being fed by ravens might sound, it's really kind of gross. <laughs> but he was still there. As cool as being fed by ravens might have sounded, it required Elijah to be obedient to God's calling. It required him to be alone, away from everyone. It required him to live in a ravine next to a brook. And it still required him to be completely dependent on God. Make the best of your there. Maybe turn off the TV every now and then. Open up your Bible. Spend more time in prayer. Call someone and encourage them. Pray with them. Don't gossip with them. Pray with them. Share a scripture on social media and maybe explain how that scripture speaks to your life. Be someone else's there. Remember, if God could bless Elijah through a flock of ravens and a starving single mom, he can use you. 
I don't know what kind of blessings the Ravens received. But we know from the Word of God that this single mom had food in a famine. And she saw her son raised from the dead. I don't know when it will happen, but at some point, whatever life situation, whatever storm, whatever struggle you're going through, at some point, it will be over. So during that situation, the storm or the struggle, seek God and ask Him to prepare you for your new there because it's coming. And then when you step into your new there, you can hit the ground running and you will find yourself doing more than you have ever done in the kingdom. You will find yourself doing more than you have ever done for the Lord. Think what would happen if we spent more time than ever before in prayer, more time than ever before in the Word. Think what would happen to us personally and to us as a church when we face life stuff. Instead of running away from God, we would fall on our faces and say, God, when this there is over, help me to have a greater appreciation for following your will. Help me to have a whole new dedication to serving you. Help me to have a greater dedication to sharing the gospel. Help me to give of myself like I've never given before. Let that be our new there. When Elijah was there, he saw miraculous things happen. And if we will find the there that God wants us to be in, we will see things happen in our personal lives. We will see things happen in our church. We will see things happen in our community. We will see things happen around the world like never before. We will see revival in ourselves, in our church, in our community, and around the world. In the past year and a half, there's been some challenges in the world around us. This COVID crisis has served the devil well. It has divided people. It has discouraged people. It has kept people out of church. Even now there are and there will be new challenges and opportunities, both individually and as a church as we go forward. But with that in mind, could we be more determined than ever before to be prepared spiritually? Could we be determined more than ever before to come together as a powerful church to face these challenges and opportunities? We can and will do it. But only if we are faithful in living in the there that God has placed us in. The best place to be is there. So let me ask you today, are you there? Would you stand this morning? Worship team is going to lead us in a song here in a minute. Would you come today and spend some time in prayer and ask God to just help you 
to be where he wants you to be. I'm asking everyone this morning, would you come as we sing? Let's sing.